for the beautiful music from that special music and also your praise team. I love the energy. I was feeling blessed. <laughs> Please bow your heads with me as we have prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we can be here today together, and thank you that I'm able to also share a moment with this lovely congregation. I just want to once again ask that your Holy Spirit fill this place, and especially me, God. Help the words that I share be from you and not from me, um, and just help this ministry to speak for itself. We love you so much, God. Amen. The title that I have today for my sermon, and also for the video that I'm going to play for you at the end of my talk, is called Finally Free. And that has a couple meanings. The first meaning is that is a feeling that the refugee community uh, experiences when they first come over to the United States. But that is also a feeling that they experience when they are able to enter into private Adventist education because they are coming out of public school where they often get made fun of if they are you know, any religious orientation um, and where they struggle. They don't get this kind of one-on-one -on -one attention that they need. But they can say, oh, I'm finally free of that when they come into our Adventist system and experience all that we have to offer. So that is where that title came from. Today I wanted to ask, in light of camp meeting recently taking place, if any of you guys attended this year's sessions, or maybe we saw it online. Was anybody there? Okay. Pastor Joe was there. <laughs> I see a couple hands. I was there as well, and being a young person, I was, I'm going to admit, a little skeptical when I heard that the theme for the entire program was growing young. And not only was the theme growing young, but the focus was bringing people from my very age group uh, into the church and helping them feel comfortable to stay in the church. And our main speaker at that event was Ty Gibson. And so as he stood up the first session, I decided to be open-minded and hear what he had to say about my age group. And I was actually very um, happy because I felt he portrayed what's really going on in our church today accurately for young people, um, but also at the same time concerned because there are some really scary realities that we are facing. And I'm going to go ahead and share some of those statistics. They're going to be probably too small for you on the screen, but I will read them for you. So within his first night presentation, he mentioned that only 4% of the Seventh-day Adventist congregations we see today are made up of the 18 to 35 age group. I personally am 24 years old, so that's right. I'm right in the middle of that. 70% of our children, unfortunately, choose to leave the church by the time they exit college or high school. 32 out of 46 collegiate youth will leave the church once they graduate college. And sometimes this does include people who have gone to Andrews University, Southern Adventist University, Union College, our own institutions. We still see that retainment is very challenging. However, 85% of our young people who attend Adventist schooling actually tend to stay in the church. 
So for me, as a young person, that was encouraging and also relatable because I am a product of Adventist education. And not only that, but I also went on to Southern Adventist University and I received my degree in elementary education. So I'm a teacher. I taught for two years in Adventist education and I really do believe I ended up there because of my foundation and the things that I experienced, the positive interactions I had as a young person in Adventist schooling. They're certainly not perfect. You can kind of find what you're looking for at times, but I feel like for me, it was really the best environment I could experience. I have a couple other statistics I want to bring to your mind as we go into the presentation, and these are more pertaining to refugees in the United States. So as we saw in our earlier video, only 1% of refugees around the world and also in the United States ever attend a university. In fact, many of them do not even complete high school or they do not even attempt high school because it's too challenging. I'm very happy to say that within the free refugee program, we currently have a 100% success rate at all of our students attending university. We have had, I believe, six students so far come up from when they were young up into the age when they could go to a, attend a university, and they have all chosen to do so. Um, and all three of my young ladies in front of me are either currently attending or plan on attending a university. So we're very, very proud and excited for that. We are fighting that 1% statistic. Um, our program has been running for nine years, which we're going to take a look at. And so we're just now seeing some older students come through, and we definitely fully intend that the younger ones coming up are also going to choose to attend higher education. I want to take a moment to once again read our Bible text for today, which is found in 1 Timothy 4, verse 12. And it says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. I really love this verse uh, because I am young and also because I'm a teacher. I love to share this with my students, um, both who I've worked with in the past and now the children in the refugee program that I'm currently working with. And I love to tell them, um, this is talking to you guys. You guys can be leaders. You can come up here and speak, just like I'm doing today. And I also like to remind people, and again, this is too small for you to read, but I'll, t I'll share. Um, I like to remind people that Ellen White, um, a foundational figure in Adventism, started her ministry when she was how old? Do you guys know? I'm hearing it, 17. So a lot of times, young people, uh, students, uh, we think of Ellen White as this really old lady who you know, had a lot to say, but she was old. There's just this constant theme of old and outdated that comes up to mind. But the reality is she actually wasn't. She was actually a trendsetter at the beginning of her day, and she started her ministry at 17 years old. And we can actually also look at other figures in history. George Washington, for example, first started leading a fleet of ships when he was 14 years old, okay? Um, we also can look at um, Malala. I don't know if anyone's familiar with Malala. She is an Indian, Pakistani girl, and when she was 11 years old, she took a stand against her government and was actually shot because she stood up against them. They did not want to allow young women to get education, and she stood up against it, and she won the Nobel Peace Prize at the age of 16. 
So these young figures are very capable. <laughs> um, and so I'm definitely here today to tell you if you are a young person, um, don't let anybody look down on you. You can do things, you can do very powerful things. And we see a lot of these figures in history doing those things. I want to move forward to our program specifically. As I mentioned before, it was started nine years ago in Clarkston, Georgia, by a woman named Kelly Chikowski. And Kelly had a heart for young people. She was actually just randomly driving through Clarkston one day, and she saw some interesting sights. Um, this is a photo from Clarkston, Georgia. Uh, these are kids. A lot of the kids near some of the apartment complexes there are just out in the street playing. Often they are not wearing shoes. They do not, in the winter, have proper uh, jackets or pants. Uh, they're just, it's almost like, besides the pavement, it's almost like something you would expect to see in another country. Uh, we have another picture here. These are some little girls. Um, there are three primary groups of people in the refugee communities that we work with. They are from Burma, Rwanda, and also Thailand. And this group, these kids right here are from Rwanda. And they are playing, um, unfortunately, in some garbage in that picture. Uh, if you drive through Clarkston, you're also going to see a lot of buildings like this. This was something in the news from gang violence. Um, it's getting better. It, it was pretty bad about four years ago. We had a lot of uh, dangerous situations for our children in that area. But unfortunately, this was a building that was set on fire and is deteriorating. And there's nobody that comes in and fixes that up or clears that out. That just remains as you see it. And again, we have children who sometimes will go in there and try to play. Um, and it's just a very unsafe environment. So we're working a lot with the community to try and fix some of these things. And so these are the images and the children that Kelly saw driving through Clarkston. And she couldn't sleep, she'll tell you. She could not sleep for like three or four nights. Something just kept bringing this imagery back into her mind. And she said, I have to do something. And that is when she reached out to her Adventist congregation and became um, on a team, really, of four individuals. And they said, let's start a nonprofit. And so they did. And the phrase that she loves to share is that she told God in the middle of the night while she was staring at her ceiling fan, if you open the doors, God, I will walk through them. And that's exactly what's been happening. This is a list of the things that we do in the free program. Again, it is very small, I'm sorry for that. Um, we do have a brochure that we will pass out to you at the end of the program, and it has a list of everything we do, but let me just read that for you. So now nine years in the making, we provide food and clothing to over 900 families. We collect furniture donations. We allow people to come to a small apartment we own um, for ESL classes. We provide tutoring. We do yard work and community cleanup. And we also, at times, will do medical and dental assistance where people will volunteer to come in and give first aid to the community. And of course, we do education sponsorship. And that is a big part of our program that we're talking about today. So as I mentioned, we have 900 families that we are in contact with. And some of these families are like Niang, who told our children's story, where they were already Christian uh, when they were over in their home country. And they came to the United States for a better life or to escape persecution. 
So my young ladies here today are from Burma, and it is improving, but in the past, in Burma, if you were a Christian, you were targeted, and they can tell you uh, some of their stories of things they experienced because of their family being Christian. Uh, we also have other families, from Thailand especially, who are not Christian. They are Buddhist. And so we help them learn about Jesus through our program and by taking their children into Adventist schools. And they're very open to this um, because they need help and they feel that we've been Jesus to them. And I really feel that that is one of the best ways to do ministry is to help people and meet them where they're at. This is a photo of me at my wedding. <laughs> As I mentioned, I recently got married. This was in December, so we just hit the six-month mark. Whew, guys, marriages, it's a lot. <laughs> but it's good, it's good. <laughs> I think I'll keep going. Um, this was at my wedding. So I work, uh, I just finished working at Duluth Adventist Christian School, and I taught the eighth grade homeroom. I had 14 students, which are in this photo, and six of them were from the refugee program. This is how I became exposed to the refugee program. Honestly, I didn't really know about refugees in Georgia. I didn't know where they came from. I didn't understand the challenges. Um, until I met these kids, and I was so touched by the things they were facing and dealing with that I've actually taken a break from teaching, even though I do love it, and I'm working with free full-time to travel uh, and speak with people like yourself. <laughs> so that is how I am connected to the program. Free currently supports 92 students in Adventist private schools, and that is a picture of some of our first graders from two years ago. Many of them are still in our program. They tend to come in around uh, kindergarten, first grade. We really try to bring them in as young as possible because they need to learn English, and it's much easier for the younger students to learn English. But we will take um, people up to fifth grade. We'll take in new students. Um, when we first started the program, we took all age groups, but we've learned that it really benefits everyone best if they come from fifth grade or lower and then continue up through the program. And so that is some of our students. We have them at Duluth Adventist Christian School, Atlanta Adventist Academy, Georgia Cumberland Academy, and also Decatur Adventist Junior Academy. Uh, which is in the Southeastern Conference. So we have four schools that we're in contact with, and we do provide education, sponsorship, funding, from pre-K all the way up to 12th grade, which you can imagine is really expensive, <laughs> but definitely worth it. At this time, I actually want to kind of let some of the work speak for itself. We have a video presentation that's actually going to allow you guys to travel over to Clarkston and see exactly what it is I'm talking about. You're going to see the students. You're going to hear from Niang talk about her personal testimony in the video. And you're just going to get a feel for what exactly it is that we do in our program. Um, I do want to let you know that this was filmed about four or five years ago. So the numbers are different. So at this time, I think we had around 40, 40 to 60 in between their kids. And as I said, we do now have 92 students. So besides that, um, it's still pretty accurate. Let's go ahead and watch together. I came from Burma, um, now called Myanmar. 
We knew that it was a dangerous journey because the government don't want people to leave the country. In the border between Thailand and Myanmar, we were caught by the soldiers um, while we were crossing a river. And they were holding guns and um, they told my mom uh, and the other adults on the boat to get out of the boat and they were pointing guns. The soldiers were saying that they their duty is to protect the border so they can't let anyone escape. But then when they saw me, my brother and my sister, we were the only kids out. We were young and we were small. And when they saw us, they let us go through, pass by. And they said that if we can cross the river before anyone else sees them, then they will let us go. So I think God really answered our prayer. So when I started to hear about the refugee stories and the trials and the tribulations that these little kids went through, and it really put a burden on my heart. The first time I went to Clarkson and I heard their stories about trying to run in the jungle and um, you know escaping from different types of soldiers that was trying to kill them and the things that they witnessed to their own family members and how they saw their houses burnt down and how they just lived on their feet and in the jungle and in the wild basically, no houses or anything. The burden on my heart was so great. I couldn't sleep for like three nights when I saw a lot of our kids that I went and I met were sleeping on the floor and there was rats and roaches and they didn't have a lot of food in their pantry. I felt like, you know, I'm only one person, but I just prayed to God and asked him that he would open the doors and as long as he opened them, I would walk through them. You look like your daddy. Daddy! He looks like daddy. daddy. No, yeah, he does. Gosh, he got so big. Mm -hmm. This is any more clothes? <laughs> um, yeah. Here in Clarkson, Georgia, the diversity is amazing for our refugee population. Time Magazine calls it the most diversified square mile in the United States. Here we have 60 different countries representative and with 120 different languages uh, spoken here. Clarkston is an area that was a army base during the Second World War. After the war was over, of course, there was no need for the uh, facilities there, but uh, as the years went by, the UN, in conjunction with the U.S. State Department, decided that it would be an ideal location to uh, relocate refugees from overseas because there was uh, cheap housing, albeit run down, available, and uh, there was also public transportation available. So the living conditions here in Clarkson are really, really hard for a lot of the families. Um, they come here and as you can see, sometimes we forget that we're even in the United States and America because there's trash everywhere in the community. For example, here there was a fire here and this has been over eight months ago and the building's still here. For me, like, I wouldn't want my little kid playing near that because if it falls down, obviously someone's going to get hurt. But the refugee people, they're people they don't feel like they have a lot of entitlement. When you're not born in, in a place, then you're not going to speak up and they tend to get taken advantage of really, really easily. So 
here you find that the refugees just tolerate a lot of stuff because they're just thankful for being here. He's a good granddaddy, isn't he? <laughs> this is where a lot of the gangs and the drugs come in play because if you got some abandoned buildings, they'll come in and they'll sell drugs out of that building. And so we try to keep it clean because a lot of our kids actually live, you know, here and across the street and we don't want them to be involved because we want to keep them as safe as we can. Okay, listen, Tivo, what I can do is maybe bring some a clinic here one day and we clean everybody's teeth. Okay? Yeah. I need to see mine too. To relieve a lot of the pressures that the refugee families face when they enter America, we gather furniture so they don't have to sleep on the floor, mattresses, we get rice and beans, some just basic necessities that they have so they feel comfortable when they come here. Then we try to go and spend time with them and get to know them. And then after they stay approximately a year in an international school and learn a little bit of English, then we will look at taking them and trying to sponsor them for education in a private school. So that way they have a really good foundation. And I went to Clarkston and we took laptops and we started looking for scholarships for some of them. And we were blessed with 12 six years ago, 12 scholarships um, that you could use to go to any private school in Georgia. Something to get you through the day type of thing, right? We make 27 lunches a day. 27 of the kids can't afford to bring their own lunch. 90% um, of the kids that come don't do breakfast. So for some of them, this is all they're going to have in their belly until tonight, 6 or 7 o'clock, when they'll get a bowl of rice for dinner. So that's why we like to give them lunches to make sure that they can have something in their belly to be able to take tests and be able to focus in the classroom so they can give us their best performance. Good morning, children. When uh, I pass out lunches to uh, the kids in the, in the morning, uh, so many of them will come up and uh, hug me. Uh, at times, they get so rambunctious, they nearly knock me off my feet. But uh, the hugs and uh, the pure joy that they, they show is just uh, indescribable. God answered my prayers. Um, I get to attend an Adventist school, and I get to receive a 4.0, not because of my ability, but because of God's help. When she came to Adventist school, she could just focus on her grades and focus on being the child that she wanted to be and not get teased or, you know, actually she was, she's praised for all of her accomplishments that she has achieved. And we started off six years ago with 12, and then we went to like 20, and then I think it was like 25, and we currently have 61 kids that we help. And then we also have some kids that are their different um, religions. We bring them to Adventist schools. So we have the energy and the desire to help everyone. But this is God, this is God's hand in this. I'm just a little part of his great plan. I just want to say don't, don't be afraid to go out and befriend or get to know a refugee because 
I'm pretty sure they will be happy to have you in their life and you never know, they might change your life too. taken a lot of practice for me not to cry through the end of that video every time because I see my kids <laughs> that I work with um, but um, yeah it's amazing it's just really amazing what we've been able to do and uh, Kelly never expected it to grow in the manner that it has um, but God has just really taken it over it's not our ministry it's God's ministry um, and, you know, we're just here to be his workers and to carry out what he wants for, for these kids. So at this time, I do have the privilege um, to bring up Niang, who is the star of the video. <laughs> and we don't always have her traveling with us, so you guys are really in for a treat because she is on summer vacation right now from college. And she's going to come up and just share a little bit more about her experience. Good afternoon, church. Um, as you've seen, my name is Niang, and um, as I've shared in the children's story, I was just a little girl in a tiny village. Um, my parents, my, my father is usually away from home because there's no way to earn a living in the town that I was in, so he had to go to different cities and find work, and he would sent us money. So he, so I, growing up, I never really saw my dad, um, and my mother tries her best to raise us. And in the midst of that, I, I don't know why, but I just really wanted education, so I told, I told my mom that I want to receive good education, and I want to speak English when I grow up, and so I started praying as I've shared, and um, as you've seen in the video, God did eventually answer my prayer, but that doesn't mean that there were hard times. When we had to leave our country, um, my dad was in, an, in Malaysia already, um, and my mother, my mother was trying to decide if we should leave or if we should stay and be separated from my dad forever. And there were times when our lives were at risk because it's dangerous to leave the country, but eventually God delivered us through all those um, dangers. And now we're in America, but when we get to America, we feel safer, but that doesn't mean uh, that we struggle. We still have a lot to learn, and we still have a lot to learn we still have a lot to learn, but we wouldn't have been able to do it without the help of people that are willing to guide us and take us in and support us. Uh, right now, I am attending Southern Adventist University. I am a, going to be a junior, and I'm currently studying bio, biology and biomedical. Um, my goal is to hopefully become a dentist, if it's God's plans. 
Um, but I know that God has a plan in bringing me to America. So even though I am unsure of how God will help me get to the plan, I am for certain that he has a plan. So um, I, that's why even though it's hard, I have faith in that. And hopefully in the future, I can become a dentist or whatever God wants me to be in serve people just like how I have been served. Okay, I'm going to invite Sing and Esther up. They're going to come together because they're a little nervous about speaking in English up front. Um, but if you girls could join me up front, they're just going to say a little bit about their experience as well. We're feeling a little, I see that we're having a little bit of an emotion, but it's okay. <laughs> we'll just stand up here and cry together. <laughs> I'll stand with them to be moral support. <laughs> um, hello everyone, my name is Kim. I just graduated from AAA and I will be going to Southern. I'm planning on studying in theology and music. And <laughs> what was your experience coming to America? Um, <clears throat> my dad came to America when I was five months old, and I have we were separated for ten years. So just living in Burma with my mom alone is. rode with me to Southern last week, I think it was last week, to tour the campus, and she opened up to me about uh, her time in Burma. Uh, how many of you guys were aware of the flooding that took place there a few years ago? Um, I think it was a tsunami that came through there. Um, and Okay, she's calling it a water cyclone? Yeah. And so it came through and she told me a story of her and her mom in a stairway and her mom had her on her shoulders so that she wouldn't drown during that event. Um, and they, she said they were trapped in there for a few days. It, it was a week. A week, yes. a week. yeah. Um, and you were seven? Yes. Seven years old. She's on her mom's shoulders for a week in a stairwell, okay. Um, crazy stuff. And then she also shared that when she came to the United States, she had not had any schooling. And because of her age, she came in to private school. We were able to bring her into private school, and she actually started studying at fifth grade. Do I have any teachers in the audience here today? Okay, so we understand how rough that is to bring in a student for the first time in school at fifth grade level and on top of that it's a whole nother language okay yes, um, in Burma I didn't get to go to school so. yeah no school from Burma um, so she it's a miracle to me at least as a teacher <laughs> that she is now well and ready to go to university yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm a little nervous. Um, okay. My name is Esther, and I'm currently studying in Atlanta Adventist Academy with Sersha. She's my classmate, <laughs> so I'm going to be a senior next year. I mean, this year. Yeah. When did you come to the US? 
Um, I was 12 when I come to the U.S. Um, so they put me in sixth grade, but before that, for like two and a half years, I did not receive any education in India. So that was hard for me to like learn math again after two years of like no schooling at all. But when I get to eighth grade, I was um, blessed enough to get a Adventist education at Duluth Adventist Christian School. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, that's how I. Yep. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, girls. <laughs> so, to kind of summarize and wrap all of this up for you, I hope we're able to connect the dots. Um, I know for me as a teacher, even before Ty Gibson came and spoke at our camp meeting and shared those statistics, I was already researching them. Um, I was already trying to figure out why my friends didn't want to come to church with me anymore, uh, why my students who are eighth graders were like not as interested in staying in church. They didn't want to be in Pathfinders. They didn't have that same interest that I had grown up with. Um, and so I knew that there were these statistics out there. And I prayed. I asked God. I said, you know, I'm working as a teacher. What is it that I can do? to help grow our population of young people, both my age and also younger than me and even some that are older than me. And then I started working at Duluth at this school and that's where I met this program and uh, it really felt like an answer to prayer because in a world where 70% of our young people are leaving, I have found a program where we have a waiting list of students begging us to put them in Adventist schools, okay? Begging us to teach them about Jesus. Begging us to give them leadership skill so they can grow up and be dentists and pastors and teachers and whatever it is that they want to be. And so for me, this is something I could get behind 100% because these kids, they, they are your future church. Um, and it reminds me of when it says the rocks, um, if we don't speak of God, the rocks will cry out. It reminded me of that because as we might see some people leaving, here is a whole world of uh, people from other countries coming to us, coming to us, mind you, coming to the U.S. We're not even having to leave. I get to live in a really comfortable home. Praise God for that. But I'm not out in the, in the mission field battling the things that some of those people have to face, and yet we have people you know, coming to us, begging us just to help them meet Jesus. Um, and so I hope this has been eye-opening for you. I hope that is, maybe this is something that you too can get behind. Uh, we have a lot of opportunity. We recently met with Ed Wright in the conference office because our program is at capacity. We currently have 92 students and we do not have the financial means to take on any more. So as I mentioned, I have a waiting list. Uh, the people in the community start to learn who you are when you're a blonde girl who shows up and you know, doesn't really quite fit in, and they now associate me with school. And so if I go out there to those apartments, I have people coming up to me off the street begging me, please take my child, please help my child, please put my child in school, you know, can you help me? Um, my phone, same thing. So we want to do everything we can to grow our program, and uh, that is sometimes financial. 
So if that is something that you are interested in, I am a resource for you. I am an extension of this ministry. If this is something God would put on your heart, I would never want to get in the way of that. So please talk to me. Uh, we do have brochures. We will be in the, in the doors in the lobby to speak with you. Uh, we also offer mission trip opportunities. So if your church, your, your women's ministries, your men's ministries, your youth group, your pathfinders, if you guys are ever interested in taking a trip but you don't want to have to fly, or paid to go to another country, we offer weekend and also week-long, 10-day trips that you can come to the community and do some of the same stuff you would do in a third world country. Um, and we will put you up. We have Pastor Justin Yang. He is our pastor uh, from one of the Korean churches in that area. And you can sleep in his gym. He said to let you know that. <laughs> so if you guys, if your pastor is ever interested in doing something like that, we are also available for that as well. At this time, I would like to just go ahead and have a closing prayer with you. Um, it's been wonderful to be here and share this with you. It's a ministry that people don't always know exists, and you know, it's my goal to just really share it with everyone. Please bow your heads with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we can be here this afternoon and this morning and just take a moment to really thank you for this opportunity to praise God that we have these families that are so desperate, um, that are reaching out and asking us to help, help teach them more about you and also help give them a better life here on earth. We just want to ask God that whatever it is that you need from us, that we continue to be willing and able to serve you. Maybe that's financially, maybe that's through prayer, maybe that's through physically coming out and doing some work. Whatever it is, God, I just ask that you enlighten us and give us guidance. Also, please, God, give guidance here at this church locally. Be with their Adventist Christian School here. What a beautiful building they seem to have, and I saw that they're looking for 97 students, God. We're asking that you not only grant them those 97 students, but also just bring in anybody in this town, anyone in this community who might benefit from being here and help each of the members here, God, to know who those families are so that they can reach out and be a witness to them. We love you so much. Thank you so much that we can worship freely in this country and just help us to continue every day to strive to be more like your character. Amen. <laughs>